Welcome to Noteclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about God of War Ragnarok, a game that was developed by Santa Monica Studio, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, and released in 2022 on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. God of War Ragnarok is an action game. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, and it is, is a sequel to the game that we should decide right now, because it's going to come up. Is it God of War End, which is the official title of the game? Uh-huh. God of War 4. God of 4. God of 4. Or as we described it on our previous episode, God of More. Uh, I think I usually refer to it as God of War 2018, if it in did in fact come out in 2018, which I'm checking right now. <laughs> I usually refer to it as this, but I might be wrong. I will oftentimes say the first game, which right. this is not. <laughs> yeah, for the purposes so. of this conversation, <laughs> if we say any of these things, including the first game, well, that is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, if I say it specifically, yeah. I mean God of War... 2018. It did come out in 2018, nice. and I knew that, and that information came from me and, <laughs> and nobody <no> else. else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, if, but if I say the first one, I mean that one because I've never played the original. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, and I actually kind of want to start there. I, I think I don't want to jump into any particularly big topics right off the bat, but I did want to say out the gate just to put everybody in the right mindset. Uh, as to how I'm sort of looking at this game, uh, a, a lot of this is going to be compared to the original game. And you could go listen to that, but that's like two hours of podcast that mm -hmm. you would have to listen to. If you don't want to do that, here's a summary. I thought that God of War 2018, the first game, mm -hmm. was a game that was outstanding in terms of its technical specifications and was good everywhere else. Not exceeding that, not really falling behind. A very standard, polished product that just happened to look amazing and sound amazing and have good acting. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel mostly the same, but I think I was more positive than you or JJ. Yeah, that's uh, true. Because action-adventure games are just kind of my jam. Right. So, looking at that as being the big comparison point for this game for extremely, exceedingly obvious reasons, mm -hmm. uh, my baseline problem with God of War Ragnarok is that it did not do enough to differentiate itself from the original. I could take that exact same description and more or less apply it to this game as well, and I would like to spend the next however long <laughs> explaining why that is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Like, I don't... <laughs> this is not going to be a puff piece for, for God of War Ragnarok, at least as far as I am concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also not anything that I say that is hyperbolic. <laughs> it should be taken that way. <laughs> because the baseline of this game is is still fine. Yeah. Uh, though I will have some specific complaints <laughs> that I think are, are more not fine than others. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to talk about the, the, the critical reception to this game. Sure. Because, like, before the game came out, uh, I didn't think I really wanted to play it. 
having been the one who I think liked it the most when we played 2018, yeah, um, I I was like, this seems like a really good foundation to like make a sequel to that could be even bigger and better. Mm. Uh, but my cynical <laughs> brain is like, this is sold really well. It's gotten mostly good reception. The next game would just be the same game again. Yep. And then it came out, and pretty much everyone gave it glowing reviews, uh, mm-hmm. specifically Video Game Donkey, uh, <laughs> who I disagree with his opinion sometimes, but think he has a consistent voice, and I can usually tell what I'll think of a game by what he says about it. Uh, so he gave like, he made like a video that like pretty much has praised the game straight up and down, which is what sold me on it. Right. Um, and I I was like a couple hours in and I'm like, man, this is just the same thing. Uh (laughs) It's like the last of us part two, where I can imagine the meeting where they all went in and sat down and were like, let's come up with some new gameplay ideas. And they like, were like, put, write something down on slips, put it in the hat. And everybody just wrote down, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and yep. put it in the hat. <laughs> I also uh, want to shout out uh, the reason that I also... This is like, we almost like kind of pushed against doing this game. Uh-huh. Even though it was probably one of the top five biggest games of last year. Uh, and Jacob Geller put it on his top ten games of the year mm. last year. And he's the kind of person who puts like... A game he doesn't even like because it has a cool mechanic in it on a top ten list. And so I was like, oh, there must be something about this game that goes above and beyond what the original game did. And then, so I had the exact same experience going in and then being like, wow, this sure is God of War 2018 too, as promised. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was, I don't know, it's surprising, it's not surprising yeah. in terms of how the world works. But I agree, I'm surprised by the critical reception of this game, given how much... I, it feels like they said, we gave God of War 2018 a good review, mm-hmm. and this is the same thing, <laughs> and it does make improvements in some places, so it must get an even better review. That's how <laughs> scores work. Uh, or just ecstatic to have something to play on our PlayStation 5s. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, because if I opened up, uh, like, a, a, an emulator, a ROM editor, and changed around the levels in Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> and then released it as a game... People wouldn't go, wow, it's just like Mario Brothers, but, like, the levels are different. (laughs) 10 out of 10, best game ever. They would say, this man plagiarized uh, Super Mario Brothers from the 1980s. And I feel like this, that's kind of my take, is they sort of plagiarized their own game. (laughs) They made a game that was so close to the original game that it's hard to even tell the difference between the two. It does feel a little bit like God of War 2018 1.5. Yeah, (laughs) to put it in glib gamer terms. Um, Yeah. So where do we want to actually start talking about this game? Oh, that's tough. It is. Do we want to start positive or negative? (laughs) Probably positive. All right. Um, Here's something I thought that the game did better. uh, And that that is its narrative. I think that this game is a lot more engaged with its own story. 
I think that it tackles more mature themes uh, and done so on a deeper level. And I think that, and I hate that I'm saying this, honestly, uh-huh. it hurts me. I think that what they did with Atreus' character is uh, incredible. I think that it, Atreus, by the end of the game, feels like he went through a character arc that was four times longer <laughs> than Kratos' character arc in the entire first game. Yeah. Like, he is the double rainbow across the sky. <laughs> there were two whole character arcs he went through in the time it took Kratos to do half of one. Uh, I was very impressed by this. Yeah. I, I feel kind of two ways about it. Uh, I really liked the focus of the first one because it was like... What if Kratos had a son and it really <laughs> ran with that? Uh-huh. Um, and it's mostly just like a simple, like, we had to get to the top of this mountain kind of narrative. And it's about, like, their relationship and how Kratos fucking deals with a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought that really worked in the first one. And this one, can try. it continues that. Now he's a teenager and it's like, oh, do I treat him like an adult? Do I still do this? Do I still do that? Uh, do I trust him? Do I not? Etc. Yeah. Um, which I I like, but then it also is way more actually focused around the whole like we came into Norse mythology world and started <laughs> fucking shit up, and now Odin and Thor are here to you know do something about it. So it gets way more into that kind of a plot as well. Yeah. Uh, and it felt a little overstuffed. Like it felt like two halves kind of pulling against each other to me at times. Yeah, I agree with that completely, and is and we'll play into a, a mild criticism that I have. I say mild. It made me not connect with the story in a way that I think probably harmed it a good bit in terms of like how I, I was engaged with the game. Um, but it's minor in that, it, technically speaking, it's not really that bad. I think that I agree with you that it's definitely overstuffed. There's uh, every element of this game is overwrought in some way or another there's like a layer or two of stuff too much on top of every possible story beat mechanic fight individual location <laughs> like there's just something extra on all of them that makes it a little bit worse than it could be uh but i think that like the overall this one having this theme of like uh, of especially like death and the acceptance of death. Uh, they somehow made Brock and Sindri not completely <laughs> miserable to be around, uh, which is like the, the feat that Xenoblade 2 couldn't accomplish <laughs> with the Nopon. Uh, they took the two most annoying characters and put them at the center of this one, and they actually kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as like there's a quest where like Brock joins you as a companion, I was <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> I'm Chad's excited. gonna hate this. Yeah, I can't wait for all this great dialogue. I do think Brock's dialogue is still real yeah. bad. I feel like I liked Sindri in the first one. That mostly Brock is the annoying one. Uh, yeah, I would agree. And he is definitely written better or toned down in this, or some combination. Yeah, I think in the first game he was written to play like an archetype. Like he, they like, just wanted him to be that. Yeah, like bad comic relief. Yeah. And then when we finally get to this game and they got to sit down and write a proper script for him, he's he's less, much less annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that whole thing, like that, uh, this idea of death and uh, how it sort of, it can, it can bring others closer together in the, the loss of something important. 
I think they do a lot of good work tying those themes together. And then everything about Asgard is written like it's a fucking Disney Marvel movie. Mm. And it frustrates the shit out of me. Because, like, it it makes so much sense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. When you take one of the biggest video games of the last five years that everybody loves, no matter how many times I'm at a party and I'm like, well, you know, it's okay. And yeah. I get into an argument with some guy. Uh, <laughs> it turns out I'm no fun. Um, the it, When you go to make the sequel to that... You go, oh, what else is popular? <laughs> and you pull those things in to make sure that you have a bona fide lowest common denominator hit on your hand. Yeah. Uh, the constant jokes and stuff. And I thought Odin was well written yeah. and pretty funny. But they put jo- they wrote in a character who shows up when you're about to climb that wall. Oh, and I'll talk guy. about that. Yeah. To just yell jokes at you from off screen. Mm-hmm. Like a fu- they <laughs> like why? Why does that character exist? Uh, I think probably focus groups said like just climbing this wall is boring. Well, they were right. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Uh-huh. Uh so yeah, those are my two minds. Mm-hmm. We the Venn diagram is both thought the narrative was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Both agree that it was a little bit overwrought with a bunch of stuff. I'm like, I'm opposed to the Disney writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own yeah. little bubble over here. Yeah, it didn't bother me too much, but I get it. I will say the best joke in the whole game had no words, mm-hmm. which is just where... Uh, Odin turns around to talk someone to someone, and they're just on the other side of him, and he didn't realize it, and he just has the the animation on his face <laughs> as he turns back around. Extremely good, very funny. Loved it. The least funny joke in the game: <laughs> all the jokes that that dude yelled at you while you climbing the wall. <laughs> I guess. Do we want to keep talking about the story, or do we want to shift gears? I mean, I think so. I think if there's more to say. The putting it sort of here is probably good because this is where a lot of my positive stuff probably okay. comes from. I guess one thing I thought was cool is like I don't know a, t- a lot about Norse mythology, but I do know some stuff, and I thought it was like really cool how there were some payoffs to stuff from the first one uh, in this one. Where like my my favorite thing was in the first one thing I do know about Norse mythology is like Loki gives birth to the world serpent. Uh huh. And in the first one, whenever you first meet Jormungandr, uh, Mimir remarks on how, like, he recognizes Atreus, which is, like, foreshadowing. And then in this one, you give a snake, or a, like, giant soul right. in, like, the... I don't remember her name, but she's, like, a big... Angraboda. uh house... Oh, it's her, her like her grandma or yeah. whatever. Her grandma's house. Uh and then it like slithers away and then later on she makes a remark about how he's like still growing and it's like, "Oh, okay, they're setting it up like cuz like the Norse mythology thing is like cyclical, so like Loki creates Jormungandr now in the timeline and then when it, by the time it loops back around, he'll be giant and blah blah blah." Right. I thought that was really cool and it was done subtly and I got to feel real smart for picking up on it. <laughs> The game never, as far as I could tell, 
never directly addresses it. Mm -mm. Uh, So if you had not mentioned that to me, I literally would have glossed over all of that, forgotten it instantly, (laughs) and then never thought about it again. So it is cool, but it is something where you just kind of have to know the story to actually put that together. But yeah, I I like that kind of approach. Like, put don't dumb down your writing for everyone. So I appreciated that. Well, I think that's fair if you wanted to do this the way mm-hmm. they did it it's fine you cannot set it up and then try and give it a payoff later without explaining it mm. because it you need resources outside <laughs> of the text to understand it i guess and my argument for this and the reason that i bring it up is because i was walking through the woods one day in god of war ragnarok not in real life mm-hmm. uh and uh my traveling companion freya was like Oh, those? They're like the the Wolfen Watts that we fought in uh in Gom Gomgard. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Dead instantly. Because she was pointing out some kind of thing that like exuded a poison instant <laughs> oh, death right. mist and describing it to something that happened in the first game. Uh and I didn't remember it because I played the first game one time. <laughs> Uh, many years ago and have now <laughs> forgotten. Uh, and I feel like they do that multiple times where they'll call back to the first game and I just will not know what they're talking about even though I played it. Yeah. Like, Freya's bore. Yeah. You confirmed with me <laughs> that that was in fact a thing that happened that I just forgot about. Yeah. Just a lot of that stuff that bodies, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were ones that I didn't catch, but mm. I, it felt like they chose to do ones that, at least that stuck in my memory, like things that they referenced, but yeah, I mean, it's not going to work for everybody. Yeah. I found that to be weird, but the, I do think the Norse mythology stuff is good. I don't know anything about... I mean, I was going to say North mytho- mythology. North mythology. Or North mythology, or any mythology for that matter. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm definitely not the person to go to for these kind of uh, references. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just think it's cool also, like the interpretation. Uh, like you brought up Marvel, Disney. Uh-huh. And one thing I thought was really cool about like the portrayal of Asgard is like how different it's usually depicted. It's just like, wooden cabins yeah. you know it's like i think the wall looks super cool too it's just like this giant stone thing very imposing with all these pythons in it like yeah it just it, it doesn't look like pristine like how you would expect it to look uh I, I i like the effort that went into like making the unique depictions of all the characters like odin I think it's such a bold choice. He's kind of like a mafia boss. Yeah. Like, when he first showed up, I'm like, oh, that's what Odin looks like? But then, like, the scene goes on for a minute, and I'm like, oh, I really like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, really... It's a bold choice that I think really works. Um, yeah, yeah, and, like, Thor is big and imposing. I like how all of them are so tall. Like, they're, like, a full two feet taller than Kratos. Right. Which makes them extra, like, imposing. Yeah, I think the very few of the the gods that you end up fighting in the game are Kratos or smaller sized. Mm-hmm. Like Heimdall is close, uh, and a lot of the time that you see Heimdall, Heimdall like a regular sized human. Yeah, but a lot of the time he'll be up on that thing. Yeah, it's like whatever. the tiger thing. Yeah, that he hangs out with and is good friends with, uh, and so so it always gives them 
this sense of being above everything else. It's a good, it's a good detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything else, honestly, about uh, the Asgard sections, I thought, like, I don't really like playing as Atreus, personally, mm-hmm. but as you'll find out soon, I don't really like playing as anybody. Um, but... <laughs> So I wasn't, like, excited to get into them, but, like, a lot of the good character work and stuff is done there. Uh, And while I like that they gave Kratos a lot more sort of, like, emotional depth uh, in this game, he had, you said, like, what it is, like, what if Kratos from God of War, the PlayStation 2 game, had a 10-year-old that he had to take around town and not kill? Uh, They did that, and they did it well, and it stuck, but it doesn't give Kratos a lot of room to really do anything. Yeah. Because it's the premise a, of an SNL skit, yeah, not I, a not a, an yeah, epic story. Yeah, what I think they've been doing is, like, trying to do, like, a... I assume this is going to be a trilogy. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Um, <laughs> give him, like, a really, really, really slow burn character arc over all three. Because, like... In this one, he really feels so much more like a regular person than mm-hmm. he ever has before. Um, and I think that's really just been, like, the slow, like, effect that, like, Faye and Atreus have had on him is, like, what they're going for. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. And, like, it's just, it's very much, I think, setting it up to pass the torch. Like, I think they had the prophecy in the first one where, like, oh, Kratos is going to die or whatever. Like, I think... If I had, if it was a betting man, like Kratos will die in the third one, mm-hmm. and it will set Atreus up to be like have his own game. I honestly think that he should have died in this game. Personally, uh, I, I think there's a, I think Kratos' story arc, and I, I made fun of it for being short, mm-hmm. but it did end. Like I think that he, I don't think that there's a lot of growth left in terms of like you've taken the character and done a complete about face oh yeah he was like at the very end he looks so happy yeah uh, an emotion kratos has never, never felt yeah <laughs> <laughs> a man who only knows sadness and stoicism <laughs> has has a smile on his face for about like eight frames <laughs> like you've gone as far as you really can do with with Kratos there. And like he's he now just like openly sort of not I guess that openly, but displays some level of emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does eventually get around to the idea that war is bad. He says it a lot, but man does he love war all the time. <laughs> he loves violence, maybe not specifically war. True, yeah. And they're always like, you know, he's like, well, the violence we do has consequences on us. It's like, but also, I'm going to just gallivant across the nine realms and kill everything in it, uh, even when there's no reason to. Uh, but yeah, the fact that we did eventually get there, like he has, to me, I think it's complete. And I think it would have been cathartic for him to have died at some point. Everyone in this game is doing fucking noble sacrifices. Yeah. They happen constantly. Uh, and Kratos never, not once, yeah, nobly sacrifices. Yeah, um, I don't think they'll have the balls to do a Last of Us. Uh, they're gonna give him another full game, yeah, and then kill him. I honestly think they probably didn't kill him because they didn't know how to do post game <laughs> without Kratos. I guess that's fair. Yeah, they wanted to have a post game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I oof. 
I got words on the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the when it ended and the credits rolled, but then as soon as you step out the door, the credits are just like gone, and it goes. Uh, here's a list of things for you to do. I was like, ooh, like that feels gross to me. Mm. So you have this big giant ending, and then they want you to jump right back into like fetching mystical orbs for John. It's, yeah, I don't know. And no, it definitely goes against like I think the creative vision of it. Yeah, it'd be cool if uh, it's just video gamey at that point. Yeah, which I think, man. I, mm, ah, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ah. there's so many things to go into here. Please, please steer. Uh, Daddy Kratos. Yeah. Uh, let's jump to, this is a bit of a leap, and it's kind of, that's fine, that's fine. Kind of a weird place to put it, but I think it's interest. it's an interesting way to sort of see the game. Uh, and how it compares. We haven't talked about basic mechanics yet, but I do want to talk about boss fights. Mm. Not so much like the actual mechanics of the boss fights, but just sort of the changes they made coming from the first game, and also just other more nebulous things. Specifically, I want to talk about how much more video gamey the boss fights in this are than the first one, and why I think that's actually a good thing. Uh... So we'll get into more of the nitty gritty when we talk about how the game plays, but I think that the boss fights were kind of the highlight of this game for me, and it's very funny coming from God of War 2018, Mm. where every boss was the same boss except three. Mm Mm-hmm. It feels, it now makes that feel comically lazy (laughs) when you compare it to this game and how every boss is unique and actually has an interesting mechanic to them. Uh, And I love that there's just like big red damage indicators on the ground. Odin has like a fucking trivial pursuit board that you fight him (laughs) on and you got to jump to the wedge that's not going to explode. Like it feels very much more like the original God of War's boss fights, even with the new mechanics. Uh, And I think that that's great. I think that they did something interesting with the bosses to separate them from regular gameplay uh, and made them actually a blast to, to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the the few things people complained about about the origi- the original was the lack of enemy variety and especially boss variety. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely seems like it was a priority for them. Uh, it's like we already spent all the money and time <laughs> building the first one, uh, so we can spend the time this time on making unique bosses in the game. Uh, which yeah, I agree. It was a good call. Um, they they definitely feel like spectacle bosses. Um, yeah. And yeah, much more memorable. Like it's not particularly mechanically interesting to my memory, but like fighting a big giant with a big cauldron when you're like the size of a mouse in her house is cool. It's sick, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was amazing. Like that was like a whole set piece thing where you could swing between tables and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about this on uh, this game's clear contemporary <laughs> uh, Snowboard Kids too. <laughs> Uh, when you snowboard oh. in the lab is a really just a cool... Yeah, the honey, we shrunk the kids kind of feeling. Yeah, like that's just something that we both go ninny for. So that, I, I was excited to see that. Um, 
But yeah, it, I, and I said earlier, comically lazy, that's obviously hyperbole, because what ha- really happened was they had the engine now, yeah, and all the assets and stuff, so they could put effort into that. It just feels like, man, those trolls were fucking everywhere. And I, there's even a troll at the beginning of this game, mm-hmm. and I said, man, it looks like they listened to our fucking podcast, because you just hit it with a train, and it dies. And you're like, Kratos cuts its head off, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And so you're like, oh shit. Like, they were like, haha, you thought we were going to fight more trolls. Just kidding. Mm -hmm. We're done with trolls. Trolls are over. Yeah. Uh, And I was like, that's great. I love, that's a good little self referential thing. Uh, And then they went on to do a bunch more boss fights that were much more interesting. So I think that is another place where there's like a market improvement. Over the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular enemy variety as well, sort of, but right, like... It's definitely better. It is definitely better, but it is not... It's not even the variety, I think. Honestly, I think it's just better, and we can leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have... <laughs> there are some enemies that I think should have been cut. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so do you want to talk about combat, then? Yeah, we can do that. So we'll talk <laughs> about it right now. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the, the note that I have, uh, the thing that stood out to me is, I, I, it, I feel like it's just one of those things where you get in your own head and you're like so sure that certain things are true. It's like, it's like in on the first game, I remember thinking like, oh, you don't get the Blades of Chaos till like halfway plus through the game. Mm-hmm. And... Once I got them, I felt like I'd never used them because it really felt like the game was designed for you to be using the axe uh, and like fighting things more like one on one. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, like that's definitely like what happened in my own head. And then in this one, you have the blades from the beginning, and I found myself favoring them in this one. I was like, oh yeah, they give you the blades at the beginning, so they designed for them. So it's like <laughs> now you have groups of enemies. Now they're easier to fight with the with the blades and. Then when I was like watching you play, you were like, I haven't used the Blades of Chaos like at all. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I really felt like the game felt like it was designed for them almost uh, by my estimation. I mean, to be clear, I did not use them at all. I <laughs> sure, did use yeah. them on a, and before you get other options, I feel like I used them like kind of 50-50, but I also felt like a lot of the time, this is dumb. Yeah. Let me, before I say anything about the combat. There's probably nuance to the combat that I am not privy to. Mm-hmm. There are just going to be things I don't know and didn't execute well. <laughs> and we're just going to have to accept that. Because I played through the whole game and beat the whole game. Uh, and it worked for me at the end. But <laughs> I think the combat in this game is really mushy. Mm-hmm. And I agree that the blades help with groups of enemies. But they also take forever to do anything with. And this game has... I'm going to say this, and I mean it. Mm-hmm. It's got Prince of Persia combat. And I, oh, you know how I feel about that Prince of Persia combat. Uh-huh. Where there's just always a guy behind you. It, it, there's all of these things. 
I don't know. Hold on. Uh-huh. Pause. Pause the the sentence. Uh huh. What did you say to make me think this? Because I'm starting to wonder if I'm going off on the world's wildest tangent. Uh, I just said in the first game, it really felt like the game, the combat was designed around the axe, and then and I found myself. Is only really using it yeah. in only pulling out the blades like in Hellheim or when the game made me do it. Uh-huh. Uh, and in this one, I fa- it felt to me like the game was designed with the blades in mind specifically. So I felt like it had more like waves of enemies and like multiple enemies that felt way easier to deal with with the Blades of Chaos. Yeah. And so I found myself, much to my dismay, because I love the Leviathan Axe. I think it's super cool. Yeah. I almost never touched it. Yeah, I agree with that with that assumption, actually. I just do prefer the Leviathan Axe and did still use it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can go on your tangent, unless you want to save it for the second half. It's not that I want to save it for the second half. It's more just like, I didn't want... I started into this, and I was like, this <laughs> is my whole diatribe about the combat. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't want to... Blow it all. In the when you were like, swoop. I use the blades a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, they, <laughs> they introduce a third weapon, which is a spear, which I yeah. just didn't like at all. Yeah. I think the spear, to me, exemplifies a lot of the things that I wish were different about mm-hmm. the comic because i do like the spear on a conceptual level a lot yeah I, oh yeah like the fact that it duplicates mm-hmm. that's so cool it explodes and shit yeah but like it really felt to me and it might just be like an animation and sound design thing kind of like the sword and shield in monster hunter or it just kind of <laughs> felt like it was uh, uh, like yeah. it wasn't doing anything <laughs> Like you're just kind of poking the enemies. Yeah, they had create. They just used all of Kratos' same dialogue from the first game and stuff, and sort of YouTube pooped it into this whole game. <laughs> uh, but this because the they I don't know they fired the guy who voiced Kratos or whatever. This is a lie, by the way. Just uh, it's called a joke. It's, it's a joke I'm telling. And so they're like, snare oh. drum, everyone laughs. <laughs> we got this new weapon. How are we going to voice it? And they brought in like the scrawniest <laughs> nerd they could find to poke at something with a big heavy spear. And so Kratos is like, ah! <laughs> it's so tough. Oh, I'm getting old. Now, I agree. It has more of a like paper shearing sort of sound effect to the attacks. Yeah, with it's it. kind of weird. It doesn't feel as like heavy as the other ones. Yeah, it's like. And I, I almost wish you would have gotten it earlier in the game, because I feel like it could be used for puzzle design and stuff. Yeah. Man, they the you could tell that me and Santa Monica Studios were not on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> when they gave me the spear and they did the tutorializing of the, like, glowing hole in the wall, and they were like... Oh, you know, they're going to see that and they're going to think back to all the places in the world that mm. they saw those. And we're like, what do I use for that? Fuck. No, <laughs> no, there was nothing you were going to do that was going to get me to go fucking back to the woods to go look for holes in the wall. Yeah, I did remember all the places I saw those, uh, but was like, fuck. I had the same reaction. Like, fuck. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> It's like not a bad idea. No. But you didn't design your game exactly. for this. It's yeah. not a Metroidvania. Exactly. Um <laughs> do we want to transition to another topic of conversation again? Sure, it would be like a messy first a messy half first and then half. we'll pick it up and um, clean everything out in so a second. This is one of my big things is 
In the first game, we talked about the Lake of the Nine. Yeah. And how it's kind of like a hub area. And me, known lover of hub areas, was like, it's pretty good. Like, I like sailing around it. Yeah. And the water level lowers and reveals new stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, and I feel like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like JJ wasn't really hot on it. And I feel like you were definitely less enthusiastic than I was. Correct. Yeah. Um, but like this game, I think really highlights how valuable it was because like you take that out and you're just warping everywhere. Like it really makes the world feel like a series of corridors. Uh, and like that relating to the Metroid design or the Metroidvania design thing. Yeah. Like. If the game were, like, easier to get around and, like, you know, like, designed for you to go back to places more conveniently, uh-huh. I probably would have gone back and thrown the spirit stuff. But it's, like, it's it's laid out in such a way that, like, you can't even, like, get, a, like, a mental map of, like, where things are. And, you know, it's, it's just not designed for that kind of thing. Uh, and, like, that's probably my least favorite thing about the game mm-hmm. is I think, like... They've clearly put shit tons of money into this. <laughs> like, it's... You're kind of in awe in, of how expensive it looks and, mm-hmm. like, how nice and polished certain parts of it are. But, like, I feel like they did not put a ton of time into just, like, the way Kratos feels to move around, like, traversal and, like, world design, I think, are <laughs> lacking. Because, like, Kratos feels really stiff, I think, to run around and yeah and like that's just like i don't know chicken or the egg i don't know which one but like and i feel like that just kind of leads to like just like you just run down a corridor and you hit stuff with a weapon yeah and that's exactly what it is like there you go you like get on the the fucking horse and buggy what is a sled <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah sled and the dog. sled dogs yeah uh and you get on and you go around the frozen lake of nine which looks fucking great. It is. That's pretty cool. It's sick. Just have that in there, but now it's all frozen over. Yeah, did you free the big jellyfish thing? Yeah. And it, like, flies around and looks Some fucking cool amazing. Stuff, yeah. Looks great. That was in the desert, though, wasn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. So you have this, like, big, exciting fucking world to look at. And I think the developers were like... Yeah, look at this big fucking exciting world. Let's make it an open world game. And when they say open world game, what they mean is you go to a point of interest, you get off of the the sled, and then you walk down a corridor. Mm-hmm. And you just repeat this over and over again. There's not like a an element of exploration. It's like, this is like when people say that, oh, you know, Dark Souls 2's world design was kind of like a hub and spoke world design Mm -hmm. as opposed to an open world like in Dark Souls 1. So it's like fine. It's just a different thing. Uh, But they didn't design it like it was an open world and God of War did. It's a hub and spoke Mm -hmm. and they were like, but they made it seem like it was the thing you would want to go back to any of the places. Yeah. And I think it works in the first one a lot better because it is a hub with spokes. Spokes. (laughs) And this one, it's like disconnected like there's a couple of different like more open areas but most of it's just corridors <laughs> yeah it's a big it's a big rooms game it's in disguise a, it's a big rooms <laughs> in disguise i agree and they're disguised as an open world game yeah. and for me and i might just be like nitpicky asshole they put like a, a bad foot forward for me because like early like one of the first things you do is atreus is turned into a bear yeah you have to go like track him down 
which is a cool like story thing. Mm-hmm. But like you're tracking him, and like the blood trail and the footprints will like go off the corridor, and right. you're like, oh, like it, it really like highlights how like on a track you are <laughs> when it's like the path you're tracking like goes off of it, and kind of like creates this illusion that there's more. But you can't go to it. You're just it, within these walls. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, the fucking animaniacs run into a, a a cardboard sheet painted to look like an yeah, avenue. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, that's essentially what happens all the time in this game because you. Yeah, they're very clear paths, uh, and what we've do we are the discoverers of the eldritch <laughs> truth of the color yellow right and this game has the rune walls yeah little rune walls to show you everywhere that you need to go so you never get lost no and but also there's you can never have any fun exploring <laughs> yeah <laughs> you just go down the, yeah the like same the joy path. of exploring is just like oh could i have gone left instead of right <laughs> <laughs> what joy yeah and also, let's be honest, you never went right. You always go left. <laughs> yeah, first. yeah, left-hand rule, obviously. Uh, no, and the uh, the uh, the mask sections, when you're playing as Atreus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why does that fucking... Why do you have to equip the mask? <laughs> it literally does nothing. It goes... It points in the way of game design. It's a <laughs> compass that says level design where it's supposed to say north. And you just point it and go, oh, it's the corridor I was going down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a... St- like, I get the importance of having the, of the mask as, like, the central MacGuffin to Odin's whole scheme. But you gotta, you gotta do something about it to make it obvious without forcing the player to douse around with it. Because mm-hmm. there's no need for it. The levels aren't set up in a way that you wouldn't know where to go. You just go forward. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think the idea was like, because like whenever you're with Throod, yeah, uh, there are parts where you keep hitting dead ends, and like I think that was kind of like the idea, like oh, like it, you you keep following it, and then like you'll run into a dead end, and like you have to rely on it. Like I think that was what they wanted, right. but you're right, like you just play the game and you'll find then there's parts where they make you take it out like it's pretty clunky yeah it's it's very strange and actually something that relates to both that and also just the failure to design this as an open world game element of it Mm -hmm. the compass that's in not the fictional compass i just came up with Uh but the compass that sits at the top of your screen and tells you where your objectives are you know, it's like got a little icon on it. So the man, I don't even remember that. Maybe did, it, did you turn it off? I think I did. <laughs> You're yeah. a classic. Let's turn it off. It honestly could have. That would have been fine. Yeah. Because this game does. It tries to show the relative position of your objective as opposed to the absolute position, mm-hmm. so that it kind of shows you if you need to like turn to one side or the other. Uh, so like if you're here. And your objective is straight north of you, mm-hmm. but you have to go through several corridors to get there. It'll be like go right, mm-hmm. then go left, and then et cetera until you get there. And it it's impossible to read because it just jumps around all the time. Like whatever algorithm makes it actually point in the correct direction is fucked up somehow. <laughs> uh-huh. And so every it just your objective just spends all of its time on the right side of the compass. 
and then occasionally it like ping pongs to one side or the other. It's like impossible to follow. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this game like has options come up at the beginning. <laughs> I must have turned that off immediately. Yeah. I do want to shout out while we're still on the positive part of the podcast, kind of. <laughs> that the game does have a ton of accessibility options. Uh <laughs> And just general options, like stuff like that. Uh, and it's it's probably the most accessible game I've ever played in terms of, like, the options it provides if you have any sort of disability. So mm-hmm. big ups for that. Yeah, the industry is definitely moving towards that as a more common thing. It is. But you do see a lot of big budget games not doing it. True. It, I mean, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. So good on them for yeah. it, I gotta say. You had to hire specific people. Like, not everybody knows how to design for color blindness. Oh, yeah. Or regular blindness. Or... Can't even imagine. A white person. Or a black person. <laughs> um, <laughs> Red House Studios. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, very... Com- yeah, I think a lot of money has to go into that, so... Yeah, and they did a good job with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you wanna you wanna take this... Take the dog sled. You want to take the dogs out? Who? <laughs> yes. I who let the dogs out? It was Kratos all along. It was Kratos the whole time. Uh, but now we do need to go get them and bring them back to their little hovel that they stay in for the whole game. All right. And then we can continue the discussion. After, after the, the break. Welcome back. Uh, I think <laughs> the most pressing thing, and if you stuck with us through that first half of the podcast, that was a little bit wild. Uh-huh. The, the payoff to the whole bit in the middle. I want to talk about the combat in the game. Uh, broad strokes, and then we can dial in if we want to. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> if you play the original God of War 4, the fourth God of War, that is an original. Uh-huh, 2018. The 2018 God of War. Then you know exactly how this game plays for the most part. It has a few wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few things that I'm pretty sure were there, but don't specifically remember. Uh, and I'll probably be glossing over those largely. Things mm-hmm. like runic attacks and spirit summons and shit. Uh, <laughs> they all exist here. And they just are super moves, so they don't make that much of an impact. I am curious a bit. The game uses the same stat system that the first game uses, where you have strength, defense, luck, runic, vitality, and a f- and cooldown. Hmm. So I am curious if there is a way to like make a build. But everything I ever played in this game with any combination of anything felt exactly the same. <laughs> I had I've no fucking idea what my stats were really doing. So there's that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're a big God of War nerd and uh-huh. want to really dig into stuff like this, I can recommend Joseph Anderson's video on the first game. Um, Cause he ta- he talks about the combat breaks it down to a degree that I think is comical, but um, <laughs> it's a good video. As but, um, is his want. Yes, as is his want. But um, 
basically, like, the big takeaway from it, like, in my eyes, was just, like, the only thing that really matters is gear level. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what it makes your stats. If the gear is level 6, it will just be better than the level 5 gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those kind of games. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it while you're playing. Or, like, you're not... You don't realize that's the case unless you know. Then it seems kind of obvious. Yeah, because you, you, it gives you all of these little fiddly things. We've already broken away from talking about combat generally, but I'll this is back. a thing. We'll get back. Yeah, this is a thing I want to hit anyway. The I hate crafting. I think everyone knows this at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise. This game puts a hundred fiddly layers of bullshit on top of its really basic-ass combat system that not only don't need to be there, but make the game demonstrably worse in several ways. Uh, first of all, you ever open a chest in this game? Mm-hmm. At any point, were you excited to find out what was in that chest? Um, no, but I, I think my <laughs> problems with it are, are different than yours. Because I do generally, I like a good crafting system. Uh, They do get shoved into everything nowadays, and I don't like that. But um, I I like collectibles in games. I think crafting systems are a good place to dump those. Sure. Uh, And um, my my problem with it, I think, is just there's too many things to craft and too many materials. Yeah, you have no idea. Like, when you pick it up, you don't know. Like, when it's, like, leather whatever whatever <laughs> yeah you're like i don't know what that's for i don't know what a shattered rune allows me to yeah, make i'm sure it'll let me make something right so it, it it's like this whole thing where you have an idea in your head of like picking up this material will in some way aid me but i don't really know in what specific way and to me that makes it feel like trash like garbage that just clutters your inventory uh, and means nothing to you. And so I was unexcited to open any chest because I knew what was in the chest was going to be some shit I didn't understand or care to understand. Mm-hmm. Because as you described before, all that really matters is gear level. Yeah, you don't... It's not the kind of game where you have to, like, manage it. Well, like, that's true. Good, like, crafting systems, I think, are in games when you have to, like... Where you're, like, motivated and, like, want to keep track of what you're picking up. Like... You said, I don't like the things cluttering up my inventory. And I'm like, I don't know if I ever looked through my inventory. I take your sure. point. Yeah. But, like, it's just not that kind of game. Right. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it, I do think it would be better probably without the crafting system. I think, like, upgrading the weapons feels good. Sure. But those are specific crafting items yeah. that you get for completing, like, major events. Yeah, but you shouldn't, like... Upgrading the armor feels pointless. Yeah. get Take that out. Get rid of it. Don't need it. Yeah. And I don't even think that the whole stat system is really necessary. Like, uh, did you ever go back to an earlier area and feel like you were way stronger <laughs> than you were before? I don't think so. I feel like... I, I don't know, but, like, I would have, like, guessed that the enemies scale... They to could. your level? I think they do. If they do scale to your level, then there's literally no reason for the, the system to be in there in the first place. Yeah, like, I know you disagree about um, the, my, the specific example I'm going to give, but I feel like it's kind of like something like Bloodborne, where it is an action RPG, but it's like butting up against just 
wanting to be an action game, mm. and it might be better if you just took the stats out. I did see that. I it, think it's much more true of this game than Bloodborne, but um, right. It, I think there are certain games like that that are like are put in the RPG systems because that's what people like. Um, <laughs> but like, they might just be better as like an action game, right? Yeah, if you if you were to cut out the 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 thing, the reason that the system exists in an action RPG where it works is because it allows you to specialize into something. In God of War, you're always going to be able to use... You're just going to be Kratos. Your three weapons, you're always going to be Kratos. There's no real customization. No one's Kratos is that significantly different than anyone else's. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it loses the customization, and it just adds numbers. And the numbers aren't helping me with anything. Like, they don't make me feel more connected to the character a way that it does in an RPG... They don't help me make decisions based on anything because they're so minute in their differences that it doesn't mean anything. And then it takes whole fucking side quests and turns them into uh, a number that means nothing to me uh, that I can find out later if it's going to be helpful. Do you know uh, what would have been cool? What would have been cool? Is if it had like a like affinity type system like Xenoblade where like... Kratos or Kratos gets different uh, ability options based on whether or not you like take Atreus or Freya with you. Like they like they they have like a point in the middle of the game mm-hmm. where you can choose between the and two. then you can like it affects the way the characters level up, like who you pair with who. Yeah, that something like nice. that would be pretty cool. That would kind of justify the narrative and character or uh, the narrative and RPG stuff exist. You tie them together, yeah, in a cool way. And this also leads into something far away from combat that I don't want to get yes. into. But put a pin <laughs> in it. We'll talk about it. Put a pin in Freya and Atreus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll Afreus. get Afreus. And we'll get back to that horrible amalgam later. Yes. Um, but yeah, so you had this crafting system to create armor that makes stats that don't mean much. <clears throat> and then you have... But they look cool. They sure so do. you fucking shoveling in your face. <laughs> Uh, and then, and this is like my main point of contention, uh, you have the like skill tree, right? And in the skill tree, there are a hundred moves that Kratos can learn. Mm-hmm. Some of them pretty useful. Some of them arguably required. In fact, you might just start with a lot of them. You start with a couple unlocked already. Yeah. Like the, the standard ranged attack for everything is already like locked in, uh, but then there's all these skill trees that lead down to make these lo- big long combos and big single damage target single target damage <laughs> moves, uh, and the game will not, under any circumstances, let you use those because if you try, you're just gonna get hit in the head by somebody who appeared behind you and fucking rollerbladed up with a sword and stabbed you, and some guy's gonna go. You're on fire. And I'm like, thanks. I fucking know. And it bugs the shit out of me. I feel like the game wants you to give an absolute ass beating to, to one guy or a small group of people directly in front of you. And then enemies, Prince of Persia, teleport behind you at all times and you just have to keep rolling around on the ground to avoid being hit. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And it makes the combat feel like I'm not in control of anything. I'm constantly reacting. I can't make decisions that are offensive. I have to be defensive and get in attacks where I can. Which is a kind of game that exists and I like it. Mm -hmm. This isn't that kind But you've now put a character action game character in it. And said, coexist with these systems. And Kratos just fucking fails to do this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it bugs me. It makes the most of the combat encounters feel trial and error. Like, you have to learn how many people there are, where they're coming from, what they're going to do. Sometimes enemies that you found before will do totally different things <laughs> depending on where you find them. Mm-hmm. There was a guy on the ground who exploded for no reason when I approached him. Uh, and this happens like maybe two or three times over a 30 hour game. How am I supposed to know when they're the exploding kind of guy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember an exploding guy. That's because it doesn't happen. So much. I can't, I can't comment. Um, yeah, no, I had considerably less friction with the combat, but mm. like there are a lot of weird quirks to it. Um, like, the, the enemies, like, tend to spawn in from weird areas, like, because it's a weird corridor game. Like, dudes will, like, drop in. If you ever catch it out of the corner of your eye sometimes, they'll, like, drop in off a cliff. You know, like, they aren't just randomly spawning in. Right. Um, you know, they are, because it's a video game. Um, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is weird. Like, um, I know Bayonetta, uh, which is an action game, like... It has like is programmed for like enemies only to attack you from the front, and right. there are some enemies I know in like the second game that like can attack you from off screen, but like if they do, they always have like a visual and audio cue to like make it a lot more fair. Mm-hmm. Um, this game doesn't have stuff like that. Like I think I I was a lot more. I was a lot better at like actually paying attention to the little radial thing. Yeah. In this game than I was in the first one. Like I kind of got used to it. Um, but yeah, like you do have to just like kind of dodge a lot. Um, it is it, just boot up the game and start playing it. Uh, if you think this is nitpicky, but like, <laughs> and l- listen for how frequently a companion character says, "Look out behind you." Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot. So I, I think yeah, like it's it's something you can kind of like adjust to, but it does it is just kind of bad. Yeah, it feels like it isn't designed for this type of a game. Like it's that we have an over-the-shoulder camera and uh, a move set that has long combo strings uh, that doesn't want you to get hit because you can build up effects by not getting hit. And they spawn characters in behind you all the time in order to make it so that you aren't just thrashing everything. Because, make no mistake, you would. The combat would be too easy if stuff never attacked you from behind and forced you to reposition. But, you know, it works way better at that, and that's projectiles, which this game has. And when something in front of you throws a fireball you know to get out of the way. You see it happen, and mm-hmm. it's easy to avoid. It's kind of why the bosses work. Like, yeah, but things can throw fireballs at you from off screen. Also, that they did make it worse somehow by allowing that to happen. Yeah. So it is, yeah, it is just constant. And yeah, like this, that's, yeah. This is also a thing that, like, I dislike about Kingdom Hearts combat. 
True. It's just like a thing that like once you've played a couple of like good action games that actually like design around these problems, it's kind of hard to go back. Yeah. And you thought that that people would think that that was nitpicky? I'm I'm sure there's some people who are like the combat's good. Well, yeah. Here's the real nitpicky yeah. thing. My favorite defensive option in this game is the parry. Mm. I think that it's very satisfying to do. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about this in the first one as well, like when you get the big shield punch. Oh, yeah. And it, like, it s- slows everything down and, like... Like the Captain America. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah. It's super satisfying to do. And the parry does that in this game. Like, you get that the good... Screen shake. Screen shake, the screen shake. Screen time stop, whatever. It's super good. Yeah, time dilation. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the... The, there are two indicators. There's uh, People can do attacks, which you have to watch their animations for. Very quickly, you will just stop watching animations for anything. You just interrupt people with other attacks. Uh, so those attacks never even really play in. But then they have yellow circle attacks, which are attacks that if you block will break your guard. Um, but you can parry them. And red attacks that you can't block or parry, you just have to dodge out of the way. By itself, that's fine. It's a classic system. Classic system. The arrows behind you, this is the nitpicky stuff, are yellow and red to determine how soon... Like how close they are. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, like when they're going to attack. In my brain, I've just associated yellow with parry and red with dodge. And so when I see the yellow arrow... I don't get out of the way. Mm. But you really have to, because you don't even know what attack they're doing. The yellow-red doesn't correlate to the unblockable slash parryable attacks. It's just when they're attacking you. So I ended up resorting to, a lot of the time, just mashing the wrong button mm. over and over again to get out of the way. Yeah, I was kind of the opposite, where, like, I really didn't parry anything. Like, mm-hmm. I just dodged everything. So, like, any circle, regardless <laughs> of color, I would just dodge. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I did pay attention to the colors of the arrows. Um, but, like, I replayed the beginning of the game to capture footage yesterday because I forgot to do it when I played this in January. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I was like, I was parrying more. Like, I was going through the beginning of the game again. And it was like, man, like, I really, there's a couple of things I just kind of ignored the first playthrough. And it does really speak to, I think, what you said on the first half. Like, everything in this game is a little too much. Yeah. I was like, there's just so much. It's one of those kind of games. Like, I feel like I've said this about other games and then feel like maybe I'm just a negligent player. (laughs) But, like, I feel like there are just certain games where, like, they throw so much at you, you're going to end up, like, neglecting certain things. And this is definitely one of those. Yeah, there are whole defensive yeah. options. If you're that making we each use of everything, like I think that's when like the combat can shine mm-hmm. at times. But like, yeah, it's definitely not, it's got a lot of wrinkles. Yeah, and yeah, like we talked about when we we're talking about sacrifice, we are we don't have the APM to <laughs> to maximize combat in this game. The fucking uh, like runic attacks, mm. which I think. I think they were much better in the first one, and they really nerfed them in this. Oh, like in terms of how effective they are? That's probably true. Because I I found myself almost never using them. Yeah. I I feel like I just forgot to use them a lot. Like, I wouldn't use them, and I wouldn't shoot arrows. Uh, I did that constantly. It was kind of like the pistols in Devil May Cry. Mm. Whenever I'm not, like, attacking 
with a regular attack, I'm hammering square. <laughs> to get a trace. Get that ship damage, yeah. And it's really useful. Like, True. you build up the stagger real quick on certain enemies with the arrows and stuff. Yeah, that's what I found, is that the, the sonic arrows were really useful, mm-hmm. and the runic arrows... And the arrows. rest of them, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole, like, elemental system built into the game where, like, you can cause frost with mm-hmm. the axe, and then if you switch to the blades... The it would it like the burn damage deals steam damage. Yeah, it deals more damage, (laughs) but it's not obvious enough, right? And also, I just think it's really hard to apply Mm -hmm. all the status. People either die or force you into a defensive option before you can apply the status. So it felt like that was never happening, and that's why, much to (laughs) the disappointment of all. Uh, I opted for a no weapons playstyle for like the last six <laughs> hours of the game, uh, where I just punched everything to death because I had armor that ga- that made it poison them and then do more damage to people with a status effect. Mm-hmm. And I had a shield also. I forgot about this. If you bash with the shield, it would transfer a status effects applied to you to them, uh, which works wondrously with yeah. that. This so. is classic you. <laughs> That, like, you managed to make a fist build <laughs> in this game. It was... They're so fast. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, it's not like, anything against uh, that choice. It just... It's really... Well, I'm already like this, where I spend much less time laboring over the stuff in the menu. Yeah. And, like, I remember watching you play, and you were actually, like, looking at what you picked on the skill tree... Instead of just taking everything, because you know you're going to get enough skill points to pick everything. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) Like, I didn't even read half of them. Yeah, a a lot of the stuff that... So the fact that you knew you had things that did, like, certain effects. Right. Which goes back to, like, what we were saying about this kind of just feels like it should just be an action game. Right. And, like, I'm fine with the skill tree existing in an yeah, action yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, to unlock the abilities and stuff. Yeah, it's like the constant collectibles is where I have the big issue. Yeah. But it does, it, as I somebody did... <laughs> who does labor over the, over the skill tree, yeah. who labors in the menus like fucking Hercules. Yeah, like they're the mines of Spar- Spartelheim. Exactly. I, I use the wrong <laughs> mythology yeah. for this game. Come on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the issues were exacerbated for me mm-hmm. because I did try to engage with that sort of stuff and I just it's couldn't not there. do it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just funny to me that you actually found like synergies. Yeah, I had to. Because <laughs> I really didn't think they were there. <laughs> There's so many things that do so many <laughs> other things. Some kind of synergy had to exist. Yeah. Just even by pure coincidence. Like, the armor sets are set up in a way that if you wear the whole set, it does something. Yeah, it gives you a bonus. Yeah. Like, I even had, like, an amulet series that effectively did the same sort of status effect thing that I was doing with my armor in order to further boost my (laughs) damage. Uh, Which is probably why, in the end, I didn't have, like, a hugely difficult time with the game. Because I was able to build into those systems. So, like, I can't bring all of this up and say this is a net negative. I just think that the experience of getting there was the opposite of smooth. Mm -hmm. It was the Rocky Road ice cream of getting to a build that was fun 
and the game doesn't even want you to think about the idea of a bill. Yeah. You have to go one way or the other, and they tried to go both. Yeah. So... 100%. Yeah. Um... Man, I got some other stuff, I'm sure. Uh, about the combat or just about the game? Probably both, but I think just about the game. I think we can probably <laughs> move on. Yeah. We got my, my shit out of the way, I think, for the most part. I think capstone on the combat conversation. Sure. The combat's really difficult to read, and it makes it not extremely fun to do. But I think that there are parts of the game that really work with the systems they have in place. And I think that, like, combat with few enemies or with one giant enemy work pretty well. And I think that if they do go forward with this uh, series, like, have a third game. They will. And when they will. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, I think that that is something they should think about and lean into. Like, porting the system again is not going to create a game that is a fun time for yeah. anyone. Like, we've seen it, so it's not going to be novel anymore. And people are going to start to pick up on these little flaws that amass into a kind of messy, janky system. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to talk about climbing that big wall? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, this is, this is a, I feel like this is going to be a classic dividing line no because i that's one of my favorite parts of the game oh <laughs> i can't believe you yeah, my favorite parts of this game i think are the set pieces uh -huh. and i think just like the spectacle of like starting out far away from the wall mm -hmm. going all the way to it and then climbing to the top of it and like being able to like turn around and like look at the landscape like I, I know, like, you just climb on the wall. Like, I know all the criticisms of the thing, and, like, I, I kind of agree with them, but they don't really bother me, et cetera, et cetera. It's been talked about. Just, like, the set piece nature of just climbing a huge, fu the fucking wall around Asgard. Yeah. I thought was really cool and one of the most memorable parts of the game. I will give you that it's memorable. Yeah. I do also want to say that I was trying to think about things I remembered from the first game uh -huh. and climbing out of the <laughs> witch's abode uh -huh. was one of those things. Uh, and I will say I didn't remember it because of it being a real fun time. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I, I agree. Like, the dumb comic relief blonde guy character who mm -hmm. I thought was going to be Odin in disguise and isn't um, <laughs> is dumb. And I actually think it would have been better if they wouldn't have put combat encounters on the wall. They just let you climb it. Uh-huh. Uh, I I, it's not perfect, but I just thought it was cool. I liked the narration of Atreus talking to the bird. Yeah, uh, I thought that that was good. I like that. He... And then you get to the top, and then Heimdall's there, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, a lot of that stuff's really good. It's like a little tiny three act play. It... You start there, you climb, and then mm -hmm. you get to the you confrontation with... at the top. <laughs> you start with the comic relief. Yeah, and then you have your you go back down into the it, into, into the, the city. At the yeah, end. yeah. No, it's good. It's good as a play, as a structure. <laughs> uh, I just think I complain. I mean, I didn't. I was my one line that I had in my head about this section was I'm glad that they have a capstone on the climbing mechanics, the one <laughs> element of the game that you literally cannot get better at, uh, and be like, haha, that's my joke, moving on. <laughs> if you like the climbing, I literally I can't say anything about it in terms of like 
the, you're wrong. You're not <laughs> wrong. You just like doing it, and that's fine. I mean, I don't like the climbing sections. I just don't <laughs> dislike them. Right. I and like that's understand. even separate from this part. Sure. The, yeah. What's cool about this is not that you climb a wall. <laughs> well, it is. Like, well, but like it, 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 in terms of gameplay right. satisfaction, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's the presentation of it and the mm-hmm. set pieciness is like super cool. I agree. I think that that is good. Mm-hmm. But I wish that they didn't try and make it feel like a wall boss. Like <laughs> it has like a bunch of like little segments where you do yeah. a fight and then like segments where you have to do a jump and do another jump and it's like a little different. But you can't fail it. Right. <laughs> it's impossible to fail it. So I, I think if they had just made it simpler and done the same thing, I probably would be more positive on sure. it. Sure. But uh, I mean, yeah, I'm. Su- I guess I'm. I was more surprised that you were like. I thought it was a positive inclusion in the in the yeah, game. Yeah, like I, it was like one of those things. Like I feel like I had like a smile on my face the whole time mm. while I was doing it. I did too, but I was thinking about all the jokes <laughs> I could tell about it. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, I was like, because like, yeah. it seems like the kind of thing that like, it, and maybe if this is my cynical brain overthinking things. Like, it seems like the kind of thing would happen in a cutscene. Right. You know, it's like it's not like as cool as something like Breath of the Wild where you just it's all gameplay, you just climb like a big mountain or whatever. Right. But like in my head like oh like the climbing the wall into Asgard is a thing that would be like quick time events in a God of War game. And they just like let you do it. Yeah. You know, like I don't know. I I liked the way it was presented. Uh in I don't know. We're, shru- like. we're just shrugging our yeah. shoulders. <laughs> we're sh- yes, for for the listeners. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I thought it was cool. Um, that's fine. And then it leads to the reveal of what Asgard looks like below, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Also, I had a an option set on. This is auto climb. Uh, auto climb. There is that an really option. should be an option. There's an option for mini game automatic completion. Ooh. Which is like when you have to like press a button to do a thing, oh. essentially, and uh, not like interactive, yeah. but like things that in that create like you have to tap X or whatever. Honestly, like they should really just get rid of those. We talked about this if you dig deep in your memory uh-huh. to last year uh, when we talked about the medium. Mm. They also had an option to auto complete their little segments, and we said the same thing. Yeah. It's like if you have the option, think about yeah. whether you need them to be. I think there. yeah, that's its own like separate discussion. Even like I feel like they're in these games because the original God of War games had quick time events. Yeah. And I feel like there were even less in this one than there were in 2018. There definitely it's like, were. Just if if you're phasing them out <laughs> and putting in options to turn them off, uh-huh. just stop doing them. Because yeah. like it, they're they're so infrequent that it's almost worse. Because uh-huh. like you'll just be like watching the cutscene and you'll have like the <laughs> controller on your leg, and then it'll be like mash circle. And you're like, ah, <laughs> oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> Like, I wasn't expecting it. Because like, they happen infrequently enough. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck. That was... It's like, people people on the internet... And this is a message directly to Santa Monica Studios. Uh-huh. People on the internet are gonna get mad about you changing things about God of War. Sure. If you, you've already changed so much. Yeah, if you gave Kratos a bowl cut, 
people would be mad. If you get if you took away the blades of chaos, people would be mad. Can Kratos even grow hair? Well, that's what I'm saying. He's he is canonically as bald as they come. Yeah. If you gave him hair, okay, people yeah, would yeah. not like that. If taking away the the quick time events, no one's gonna give a shit. Not one <laughs> salty asshole is gonna be like. It's oh, not against the spirit of God. Of yeah, War. God of War is about. Is, I was mad enough Mashing that you fun. got rid of the it's block like, puzzles. It's about like you feel the frustrated rage of Kratos <laughs> as you mashed yeah. a button. Yeah. And like that's the that's the justification for it in the original game. Yeah, that was the point. Yeah, and but no one cares about it at not this anymore. Stage. It's yeah. gone. That ship has sailed. No one's cared for 15 years. Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about the Resident Evil 4 remake. I was just going to bring that up, but mm-hmm. it felt like a can of worms. Yeah, this is a different conver- This is a different story for a different time. But I was like, I, I also had a lot of quick time events. Yep, it's, it was like a big part of the design. So it's interesting to see how they do it in the new game as yeah. well. So, yes, uh, get rid of the quick time events. Make the wall climbing thing hold up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um... That guy who yells comedy at you. Oh, yeah, that kid. I got more on the dialogue. Okay. Look at that transition. (laughs) Fucking put in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Uh, I mentioned earlier that I liked that the boss fights were more video gamey than the ones in in, in, uh, 2018. Yes, that were just all the same boss. That were all the same boss, which is kind of video gamey in itself. Um... But I, I liked this in the boss fights because I think it made them more fun. Mm-hmm. It was an added element of the game that was very easy to understand and uh, gave your brain a little bit of a change up from the mashing that you'd been doing before. Uh, one of the things that Santa Monica Studio seems to know about God of War uh, is that it is a video game. And they love to talk about it all the time mm-hmm. in God of War Ragnarok. Uh-huh. There is a sequence where you free Tyr, and then you take him back, and then y'all go to the the elf planet. Alfheim. Alfheim. Which is, I guess, not a planet, technically. Yeah, the, the realm. <laughs> the realm, yeah. Uh, I mean, it might as well be a different planet. It's kind of the same thing. The Nords invented science fiction, as we all know. Kinda. A little bit. Anyway. Yeah. And like a hundred times during that level, somebody was like, man, your dad likes to pick up loot, huh? Oh, yeah. They do do that joke. (laughs) It's the kind of thing that's kind of funny the first time. Yeah. I was like, ha ha. Well, and that's another thing. Like, I know, like, um, shout out Matthew Matosis, um, talked about in the first game, like, to, to lean into the theme of, like, because the first one is more, like, focused on, like, Kratos is a dad. Yeah. Um, Kratos is day out with his son. <laughs> um, and uh, it would be, like, cool if he emulated your behaviors as the player. And, like, one of the things, yeah, is, like, if you break pots all the time, have Atreus start doing that, too. Right. Uh, and it's, like, maybe a lot of people made comments like that and like then they put in like a little joke about that like oh like let's comment on like how the player is going to play the game uh-huh. it kind of felt like that but then yeah they do do that like fucking 10 times yeah it's it like i would and like i probably kinda, more than 10 times yeah like i kind of like a lot sympathize though because like man they put in so much effort with all the dialogue oh yeah like 
you play like it's kind of wild. I didn't even like really think about this until like I was reflecting on the game. I feel like ten years ago you would have been like, oh man, I played this game for 60 hours and I never heard a repeat line of dialogue. Mm. This game, like, I feel like you could play this game for like 200 hours and there's still, you would still not have retired all the dialogue. Like, they went above and beyond. Yeah. With like making all the characters feel like real people that always had things to say that Mm -hmm. fucking related to what you were doing. It was it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and and honestly, the effort goes in, and I can spin this even further, and we can talk about a whole other thing. Yeah, because it, it, it's like it, the voice lines that you're going to hear repeated are like combat callouts, which right, aren't going to yeah, bother yeah. you because you're you need to have that re- like repetition to know what each you sound want the means. consistency exactly. Yeah. But, like, you, like, just get on a boat and start going around, and they'll just be, like, they'll just crack off a story. Like, Mimir is still one of the better characters oh, he's in this game. maybe the best character. Yeah, because he's just and an endless maybe, wealth I mean, of content. He is the best yeah. character. <laughs> we like Mimir because he's basically a podcaster. He's the smartest man alive. And the smartest man alive, which we also both are. He's like your guy on the inside. <laughs> he's always telling you all the stuff. He's like the guy on your backside. He's like the guy on your backside, yes, literally. He <laughs> is the guy on your backside. But he's like he's the like guy, your on, guy the on the inside. inside yeah. Right. I like all of these things. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, because uh, the game, we mentioned, fails as an open world concept. But the side quests in this game are incredibly dense. There's a lot to them. They're well written. Yeah. They're well written. There's dialogue and well, unlockables and all kinds of shit hidden behind them. It's it's kind of a design approach I like, where it feels like they approached the side quests like they were main content. Yeah. But then made them not mandatory. Yeah. Before there was a time crunch on me finishing this game. Yes. I did a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you'll wane <laughs> the further in you go. Yeah. And as I got closer to the end of the game, I didn't do many of them. And I really wish... I mean, I'm glad I didn't, because like when I reflect on that time that I spent on those side quests, I shouldn't have done them. A lot <laughs> of them didn't really reward me with anything that I particularly liked or wanted. Yeah, like, But they're the so re- interesting. Yeah, that's the re- I think that's legitimately like supposed to be the reward, right. the narrative content. Well, yeah, I, I completed a sequence in which I like got two parts of a key, and I took that to a door... Mm-hmm. As you do with keys, yes, and unlocked it and found out some stuff about Sig Sig Sigrun, I think. Sigrun, I think. Yeah, Sigrun. Sigrun's. It's Sigrun. <laughs> Sigrun. Sigrun's ginger ale. Yeah, uh, and at the end of the game, there's like a little dialogue between mm. uh, Kratos and and Sigrun. Yeah, they got those details, man. Yeah, it's great. I think it's super good, and I wish that the world worked. So that there would be more incentive to go do these yeah, things. Yeah, it's it's begging for better world design. Yeah, I feel like people though. This is because we're aliens from another planet. True, but like, come on, man, the corridors—they're <laughs> not fun to go come down. Come on. <laughs> anyway, we're aliens from another planet. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I guarantee you that most people who bought and played this game, like to the end Mm -hmm. like who are committed enough to play the game all the way to the credits Mm -hmm. probably did 
a huge number of side quests just because of the way they're laid out. Yeah. It's really well done, but it's just done in a way that, that yeah. makes you not want to do them. Yeah. Also. We've definitely like, these are like, these games do make me think about like the unique perspective we have mm. and even more so for like game reviewers. Like if I was just playing this for fun and I wasn't playing fucking what? 20, 15 to 20 <laughs> games a year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're just talking about the main episodes. Yeah, like, I I feel like I would have done, I would have, like, done most things in the game and enjoyed it more. Right. If this was, like, one of, like, five games I was playing in a year. Right. Uh, the Like, the flaws definitely stand out more when you've played... <laughs> you know like 20 things like it mm. in the past couple of years yeah it's like i mean this is getting into my final thoughts a little bit sure but we can steer away yeah we want. will steer away we will oar away we will yeah we will steer our little boat away <laughs> but i will say like it is it is something that's like this game to a lot of people this kind of stuff would actually feel a lot more unique, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. I think this game definitely wows a lot of people. Yeah. Even today, when the idea of, like, a game wowing you seems a lot less Almost like, a impossible. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to shout out, though, if you're listening to this for some reason without having played the game, if you are that person, like, the person yeah, who I picked this up. I envy you. I do. And also... Do the side quests, right? Like, they have oh, a lot yeah. of... Like, I, I brought this up as sort of like a... It's a little bit of a positive and a little bit of a negative. But realistically, the side quests are incredibly well designed for being side quests. We've mm-hmm. played a lot of games and played a lot of side quests that are a shitload worse than these. Yep. Uh, so they are worth uh, examining and exploring. Uh, so I kind of wanted to circle back to the narrative and the idea of this being a trilogy. Okay. So I feel like, I assume it's going to be a trilogy. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people did. Uh, And I feel like this game kind of blew its load. Cause (laughs) Ragnarok happens and ends in Uh this game. Odin, Thor and Heimdall all get killed. Like it just, it feels so weird. Like the first one you just dealt with Balder really and Freya, it felt like it was taking it slow, you know, like, Odin and Thor teased, and in that game, it's like the opposite problem, where it feels weird that they don't show up. Right. Um, And then in this one, it feels like everything that they wanted to do in the trilogy (laughs) happens in this game. Yep. It's like, what do they even do with the third one? You know, like, what's gonna happen? Yeah, I'll circle back. Creek chair. Like, you know, like... (laughs) You know, like, I liked the narrative of the game. I enjoyed fighting Thor and Odin and stuff. Yeah. You know, like, I don't have, like, a problem with it. Like, it was cool, especially after the first one, like, to, like, feel more God of War themed and fight gods and stuff. <laughs> but, like, what? where do you go? It's like, kind of like what we were talking. Like, Kratos probably should have died in this one. Um, like, what do you do with the third game? <laughs> do they go back to Greece? That might actually be kind of cool. Um, like, you know, like, I don't know, or do they go to the, they had to pivot to something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you go to yet another mythological system and kill the gods there? What's like the third most popular mythological. It's a Christian mythology. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, that would be the funniest thing ever. If the third god of the <laughs> the like top selling third god of it's war just called game. god god <laughs> game where kratos becomes the christian god oh man through a violent path of usurpation i don't know if that's a reward <laughs> you fight jesus and he just doesn't fight back <laughs> just turns the other he cheek he's turning the other cheek yeah but he parries you every time he does it uh, uh <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know. I literally have no idea where you could go with this because I suck with mythology. Sure, so no, I like, don't know. Like they are, they did Ragnarok, which is the end of the mythology. You right. know, like they it happens and it, it's so. I like on the last game, God of War twenty eighteen. I was like, it feels weird that the game didn't end with a boss fight with Thor. Yeah, like he shows up to be like, hey. You know, like, we're fucking know you're here. And, like, you know, lays down the smackdown. Uh, it said that happens at the beginning of this one, which is fine. But, like, it, it felt like it would have, like, made a more natural transition. And then in this one, it feels like... I feel like the game should have ended with the, like, you have to fight... You Maybe you kill Thor, you have to fight Odin something crazy happens and then you have to blow the horn and start Ragnarok. Yeah. And then the next game, like your whole entire next game is Ragnarok happening. You know, like it just, it it feels so like, there's a couple of things and I'm actually glad I just thought of this. Like (laughs) the, the, I don't know if it's like the, a whole game has to be one take concepts make things feel smaller scale than they should. Yeah. Like there's the whole part where they're like, Oh, we need the drop near ring f- to make the spear. Oh, it's right here in this closet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like I don't know, like I don't know, like it if it needed like a cool temple or something to be in, but like it just felt kind of weird. And then like Ragnarok is just like a twenty minute kerfuffle. Yeah, I, I and then it's over. You yeah. know, you know, like it just it feels so much less grandiose than it should and i feel like it shouldn't like the pacing of this entire new god of war series feels like all over the place because like the first one was like this slow more focused idea and then this one feels like it's the whole trilogy and then like i don't know what they're gonna do with the third one (laughs) yeah the first one is like set up of a character, and it, you see this reflected in in uh, what was the fight, Balder? Yeah, like Balder goes through an arc as well, and he remains as like the main villain. Like you keep coming yeah. back to He's him. He's the start boss and the end boss. Yeah, and is like a constant assailant for the whole thing. And Thor and Odin kind of share that in this, where they both go through the same arc, where it is like, uh. <laughs> like there's Thor by himself and you fight him and then Thor and Odin show up and then there are periods where you interact with each of them or both of them simultaneously and then at the end they are like the boss rush final bosses uh, to get to the actual credits and so <laughs> you have this mirror of the first game in that but what happens in between is everything <laughs> 
<laughs> and he uh, and it's like man and i gotta say like you remember when you like release a dog uh in hell and he like oh, Fenrir. And he oh well it isn't Fenrir yet. Well, yeah. And he like rips holes in the fucking dimensions and everybody's freaking out and it's releasing zombies all over the realms. That's a game. That's a whole That's game. That's a whole game right there, yeah. Yeah, this dog's just fucking shit up, and then you have a big four phase boss fight with it, and it's wild and pretty cool. And then you get to Ragnarok. And uh-huh. there's like eight guys. And then you fight Thor and Odin, and then the game ends. Like, I was so fucking disappointed in Ragnarok. Yep. It was, uh, and I don't mean the whole game. I was, not as much as I was with the concept of Ragnarok on display. This game is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And there's so much detail and like, realism. Like Vanaheim? Yeah, in every environment. It's pretty good. Looks great. And then you go to Ragnarok and, like, there are games that have done this before. You don't have to fight a billion guys. But there better be a billion guys fighting (laughs) or it isn't going to sell me on this being the end of the world. It should be at least be the whole third act. Yeah. And everyone's like, the oh, the elves died. I was like, what? (laughs) There were, like, four elves. Well, yeah, the elves were, like, mostly gone at the beginning of this game anyway. I guess that's true. But it just keeps happening. They're like, oh, no, no, the dwarves don't want to show up. So you just get Sindri. Yeah. Sindri shows up. Sindri's pissed off. Yeah, Sindri's mad. Fuck. (laughs) I, yeah, I was like, this can't possibly be it. Like, even after I beat Odin a second time, I was like, there's got to be, like, another phase, And then, yeah, then, then, like... Ragnarok literally is like the end of the world. It's like yeah. the apocalypse. And in this game, it's a 20 minute battle. And then after you beat the game, it's just like, okay, now go around the world. And, you know, like, it's just like, oh, it was fine. It's just, it was just like a battle. Yeah. And Ragnarok, not the guy. We can talk about Ragnarok. There is sure. a guy who is Ragnarok. Yeah. That's Surter. Dumb. Oh. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, it is Surter. Uh, and his wife or whatever, like, become, like, the whatever. They they and, like, become Groot, they if become, we're being yeah. honest. Like, they just made him Groot. Yeah. that That's, like, a whole thing that, like, calling them what they become Ragnarok is, like, not accurate. Yeah. I don't know enough to really talk about it, but, like, it's weird that they made that decision. Oh, okay. And you don't really have to know <laughs> that to pick up on the fact that they call the monster, they become Ragnarok, and the event Ragnarok, and it's confusing. It is a little weird. Yeah. But it seems like they only needed him to break down the wall Yeah, that Atreus climbed over, as we discussed at last. I think he's supposed to break the Bifrost Bridge, is like the big thing that monster's supposed to do. But in this game, they're like, Odin, shut it down. Yeah, he... That already happened. <laughs> so he had to do something different. Right. So they just, like... Like this game is a game whose narrative I generally like. Yeah, but I feel it's like it's messy. It was definitely written by somebody who read about the idea of setup and payoff <laughs> and thought that the way to make a good story was to put as many in as they could fit. Because <laughs> uh, there's like the flaw of fucking Upnar, the guy who built the wall. Oh, they have yeah. to go find and hit. And there's the fucking horn and the mask. And Tyr being Odin, and all this other shit that they set up real early, pay off real late, uh, all just a ton of it. 
and it, Ragnarok happens, and it's like the wettest blanket on the whole ordeal. You're like, because the Odin tear thing was a good twist. Yeah. I hold. I believe that to be true. But then he kills Brock, and the scene is much more exciting than all of Ragnarok (laughs) occurring. Because you just break the wall. That is pretty dramatic. And then Kratos, Freya, and Atreus attack Odin and win without any help from anyone else. Yeah. That's not Ragnarok. That's a fight. (laughs) That's a bar fight, which also happens and is more exciting than Ragnarok in this game. It made me sad. That's all yeah. I'm trying to say. It, yeah, it feels rushed. Anyway, I agree with your point about the pacing of the trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the only other thing is, and this might be a fruitless thing to even bring up, but like <laughs> earlier I definitely said Afraidus. Af- mm Oh, and I said to pin... uh, Atreus and Freya as companions, and you said to pin that? Yeah. Would you you like me to unpin? what you were going to say? I do, yeah. Uh, And I'm glad that you brought that up, because what I forgot was not what I was going to talk about, but that I said I was going to talk about it. Uh Uh-huh. My problem that I have is that Freya is a very powerful character in lore. Mm -hmm. And not just a powerful character but like a good character in the game uh, who I enjoyed traveling with and doing her stuff because she, it felt like, I mean, my biggest issue with her whole arc is that she definitely is that meme of the real angry dog that then is smiling in the next one. Sure. Right after you kill Nidhogg, like you free her from her binds, and she's like, like before, she's like, I can never forgive you. I won't ever talk to my brother again. It's almost comical. Yeah. At the beginning of the game, where she shows up to fight you, like, very beginning. Yeah. And you're like, is this happened every day since the last <laughs> game? They just always get their head there's on like a swivel. It's like a fucking mini series <laughs> of, like... Every day Freya attacks them. <laughs> oh man! Okay, I'm once again talking like fucking, directly to Santa it's Monica. Like Team series. Rocket, they <laughs> show up every episode. Can we get a God of War 1.5 like over the top, top down? Uh-huh. Make it also make it wacky. <laughs> it's over the top down. Uh, tower defense, like, 16-bit game. You just defend you just, the cabin. <laughs> you defend the cabin against Freya for, like, 600 days <laughs> in the events between God of War and God of War Ragnarok. That would be amazing. Uh, anyway, she's a good character. She's a good character. Like her. I do wish that her change to being a friendly face was a lot less abrupt mm. uh, than it was. But... I felt like they did as much as they could. True. She in isn't amount, a main character. In the amount can't. of time they had mm-hmm. to make her turn, I felt like it felt more natural than other things I've seen. <laughs> a high bar. Yeah. Things I mean, it's I've hard, seen. It's really hard to do a turn of mm. a character without taking, like, fucking five seasons of a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Like, or it'll seem too abrupt. Like, even, like, really good ones, you can kind of be like, well, <laughs> I didn't really feel natural to me. Or maybe uh-huh. this is just me, but I think that's really hard to do well. It does seem like it would be tough. Yeah. But, yeah. 
regardless, she's a good character. Mm-hmm. She's well written, well acted, uh, and I like her. Yeah. I don't like that mechanically she is Atreus. Mm-hmm. To the point where Atreus leaves at the end of the game and the game doesn't care at all. Yeah, it just it's goes just Freya. Yeah, it's like you can just continue with Freya and she'll do literally all the same stuff. It made, like you mentioned before, and what made me bring it up, mm. having the ability to choose between the two of them and have them have different... Like, Atreus is, as far as I can tell, has a different skill tree, but other than occasionally pressing the square button, there's not really a difference between having them. And I wish that there was more of one. It would make Atreus' leaving feel more impactful to the player. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. It does feel a little underdeveloped. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, like, design-wise, the easier thing to do to give him a similar skill set. Yeah. But, yeah, it would be nice if there was a bigger difference, but it feels like it's something they added, like, as a cherry on top rather than, like, a thing they really wanted to do with the game. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, on that note about her, do we have Freya thoughts? Uh, my Freya thoughts. Um, yeah, this one's tough. Um, I feel like I would. I felt like an apologist of God of War twenty eighteen <laughs> on the episode we did, um, and like I think it's because. You really don't... Like, this game feels like it's following in the tradition of, like, action-adventure games as, like, kind of started in the PS2 era. Um, you know, like, it kind of feels like... It's not like open world. It's not, like, mo- like designed in the way modern games are. It's kind of like a, you know, like a big room scale. It's like a you big know? room. Like, it's got, like, a little, like, hub and, you know, like, spoke kind of design and stuff. It's like... And I like that kind of thing. Like, I feel like there's more room for it. Like, you don't really get games like that anymore. Um, But I I feel like this game, like, it really puts all of its money into the presentation and, like, the basics of the combat. And I really feel like other elements get left behind. I think, like, traversal and world design um, would be a thing that would really elevate this if it just felt smoother to play. Like... Just yesterday, I bought on PlayStation 5 a game <laughs> called Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Right. Which is, like, I think it's a AAA game, but, like, I'm sure it didn't have, like, a fucking fifth of the budget that oh, God yeah. of War does. And it feels like a more smooth, natural, like, fun-to-play action-adventure game. Uh, like, I... I don't know, it just, it feels like it's really limiting itself in certain ways with, like, like that kind of design of, like, how you move around and explore the world. Um, but, yeah, like, it's still, like, the parts that are polished are, like, so good that it's really hard to, like, really say this game is bad. Um, it's, it's a solid game. It's, like, parts of it are very good. Um, but I think, like, overall, I thought this was worse than the first one. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Um, but I kind of liked the more focused, like, Kratos and his son thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it was taking it slow and you only really fought Balder. 
uh this one it felt kind of like whiplash it's like oh man now we're just gonna do the whole trilogy in one game um yeah like it, it just feels very messy um and that's kind of what i expected but i yeah i just feel like the public opinion seemed so high on it um when it came out so yeah it was a weird one uh if I was gonna, if we rated the games, I think I would really struggle to rate this one. Yeah, I feel like, uh, but this was good, but that was bad. But this was good, but that was bad. Uh, it's like one of those kind of games where I feel like you're torn in a thousand directions, and that's kind of like AAA games now. Like they're so expensive, and there's just like can be just like wild disparities in quality between different parts of them so because like hundreds of people have to work on them to put them out in four years so yeah i guess those are my all over the place thoughts and also there's a squirrel voiced by q from star trek (laughs) that's an unadulterated positive yeah uh yeah no i agree with it especially the end there like that's a, a very salient point about this it's like this feels more of a mess because of where it's coming from. Like, there are great things in this game, and they're scattered in a sea of decisions uh, that nobody really could have had that much authorial intent over. Like, yes, this game had writers, and yes, this game had programmers and developers. They have a whole they had a whole combat design team based on what they showed me in the credits uh but with that much going on it's so hard to get something that is like consistent in any way and yeah shit (laughs) that's that's just a problem with these with games like this god of war ragnarok was going to be a hit whether it was good or bad like there's nothing really that could have stopped it from happening thanks to the success of the previous one and the fact that Sony pumped a marketing budget the size of like an oil company into uh, making sure everyone knew that this game was coming out. So there really isn't like, I'm not, I, I don't want to rally against like the design by committee idea because I don't know exactly what happened with this game. But it does feel like they used a lot of the ideas from the first game and other ideas from other places and just piled them up in a big heap and sold it to me. Uh, and it, it it really did not hit home. I think this is a game that has a lot of good stuff in it and isn't really a bad game uh, by most metrics. Yet, I didn't really have any fun with it and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Uh, but... Everyone who's going to play it has already bought it and played it, and half of them think it's the best game ever made. So it's a weird dichotomy. It's a hard place to exist uh, in the how do you pick apart what God of War Ragnarok is. Uh, This was our attempt. If there's some nuance to this game that we are missing, please let me know, because it, it does feel like there are things here that I a thousand percent overlooked because there's just too much going on uh and so there there you go god of war gets a do not do uh, not recommend it from me (laughs) i think if you're 
an average person, you'll like it. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. If you've played a lot of games, you might be... Yeah, I'm more, not going to... Much write. more critical. I'm saying, if somebody said, Chad, do you recommend God of War Ragnarok? I would say, flatly, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I will not elaborate. I <laughs> uh, See, when I make recommendations, it's weighed very heavily by who I'm recommending it to. Yeah, that's true. But, like, I would probably try and steer anyone away from this game. No, Just, I, no. I very much would not. <laughs> This would be an interesting conversation to have, but we are at the end of the podcast. Yes. So, thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Neon White, a game that actually has some original ideas. Uh, but until that time, you can get a hold of our original ideas on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. That one we did steal. Um, and <laughs> from uh, there, you can find our email address, a link to our Discord channel, uh, and you can check out our old episodes, including probably most prominently the one on God of War 2018. Uh, but we've done other, we talked about Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, Bayonetta lots of, of sort of character action games, if that's what you're into. Uh, if you just want us to hear us talk about big, giant AAA games, we did Elden Ring last year. Yep. Uh, we've done a few of these. We, we have. Halo. <laughs> uh, Prey. If you want to hear us dump I'm just looking on a at game. A, a list yeah. of, of games <laughs> to the side of me. Oh, yeah. Prey. I don't know. Prey's just a good, cool game and a pretty decent episode. So check that one out. See you later. If I can ring all three bells in quick succession to get an Iden apple. <laughs> Look out behind you. Look out behind you. Oh, yeah. The number one thing you should check out is uh, is Kratos punching a wolf in the balls. Yeah, the, the best glitch I found while playing God of War. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And today... Oh, we're going to be talking about <laughs> God of War 2 on the PlayStation 2. <laughs> on the Rat Station 2. On the Rat Station 2. Rat Time. Do you think that, with the exception of the literal person who said that, mm -hmm. no one who listens to our podcast currently would get that joke? Uh, I could say with 100% certainty <laughs> that no one has heard that. That seems likely. We've referenced the Rascal episode in the Discord, uh -huh. which may have spurred some people to go back and listen out of curiosity. True. It is possible. Yeah. Rat time. Uh, at the end of the episode, we should just be like, no episode next week. We're going to rerun the Rascal episode <laughs> and just post it again. <laughs> Got to do an epilogue episode on Rascal. On <laughs> I mean, that could be good. That would have been a good April Fool's. Yeah. Next year. Next rat, rat year. Rat year. The year of the rat. On the year, in the rear of the rat. In the rear of the rat, <laughs> the of you'll the rat. find a rascal episode. <laughs> <laughs>